My name is Fiona Zeiger and you're listening to The Migration Podcast. It is hard to believe, but a year has gone by since we started The Migration Podcast. This is the final episode of this season. This time I speak to Ian Ang about her research on media audiences, cultural consumption, migration and identity politics in an age of globalization. Her two books, Watching Dallas and On Not Speaking Chinese are classics in the field of cultural studies and have been translated into many languages. In our interview, Ian tells me how her biography inspired her research career. Throughout my life, I uh, migrated twice internationally. Uh, the first time was when I was 12 uh, in the 1960s uh, from Indonesia to the Netherlands. And the second time was much later, around 1990, when I went from the Netherlands to Australia. And the first time, of course, was much more uh, based on, on a very uh, personal family history situation. Uh, we were uh, Chinese Indonesians who were feeling uh, very discriminated against in Indonesia, and that was the reason why we... we relocated to the Netherlands and that was possible because of the colonial uh, history that uh, connected Indonesia with the Netherlands. Uh, my parents were educated partly in the Netherlands and as a result that connection was already there so that's why we could go to the Netherlands. And when I grew up I was actually quite quickly perhaps you can call it Dutchified. I uh, was a, a teenage girl, was very taken by what was going on in the, uh, well, in a very fast-changing uh, Western society at that time, so late 1960s, early 70s, uh, very much involved. I became in uh, the student movement when, when I went to university, feminism, all sorts of, of uh, political activities that I was involved in. Uh, so, uh, and I became very interested in popular culture at that time. My uh, migration background at that time did not play a role at all because I felt part of my uh, peer group of Dutch students, uh, we were very absorbed in, in, in understanding society and also making our mark within it. And I very quickly became interested in issues around popular culture, media representations, but also media audiences. Uh, I wrote a book, uh, which later in the English language became Watching Dallas. Uh, the original book was actually in Dutch, but uh, Watching Dallas, the book, uh, was focused on the worldwide popularity of the American soap opera Dallas and how it was uh, received by international audiences, especially Dutch audiences. I could analyze why this particular interest uh, has something to do with my own migrant background, but you know, it's speculation. Uh, I think the speculation is that one reason why I was interested in popular television at that time was that uh, television was a very important, played a very important role in our 
ability to get to know Dutch society. You know, so it's it's was part of integr- an integration method. So becoming part of media audiences was actually becoming part of the Dutch public, if you like. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, uh, uh, television, popular, not so popular, serious, whatever, was an integral part of of living in a new society. But I, because that book was quite uh, quickly picked up internationally, I got the opportunity to go to other countries, to conferences and things like that, and including going to Australia, where uh, there was also great interest in soap operas and things like that. And uh, I felt, because of this, that I really wanted to work in an English-speaking country, because I feel... For better or worse, the English language is the global lingua franca, and it is the language in which you can communicate with people from many diverse backgrounds. Uh, you can have a much greater range of, of conversations and, and so forth. So uh, that was my reason for wanting to go to an English-speaking country. The fact that I went to Australia, though, was not necessarily the most uh, usual path because most people, uh, I think Western Europeans, when they think about going to another uh, country, uh, they would go to the UK or uh, to the US. Uh, I didn't do that. That was part of me being individual, I guess. Mm But I also felt that in Australia there were lots of uh, things happening in the early 1990s that I found interesting. And a lot of that was uh, very much, I came into a country after having lived in uh, Western Europe for 25 years. Australia was actually a Western society, but so different from Western Europe. Especially uh, a, num- a number of reasons. One which I very quickly picked up was because of the geography of the country. It internationally was looking more and more into the Asia-Pacific region. And at that time, we had a very progressive government who, f- who promoted the idea that Australia's future lies in Asia in its connection with Asia, and that actually we should redefine Australia very much as part of Asia. And I was very excited by this idea. I thought it was so innovative. I've never heard anything like it in uh, in Europe, right? Because uh, Asia was still the Far East. Uh, and of course, in Australia, relatively speaking, Asia is the near North. So uh, I found that interesting. And the other thing that was interesting was that at that time, Australia had, had just had a, a, a very big wave of new migrations, mostly from uh, Asian countries. Uh, of course, in the mid-1970s, a lot of migrants from Vietnam and, and other countries of Indochina, but mm-hmm. also uh, a bit later, lots of migrants from Hong Kong, Taiwan, uh, Singapore, uh, as well as uh, even a bit later from China. So the, uh, the, the mig- migrant population 
uh, was very big. Australia is an immigration society, so it has a very active immigration policy that lures people into the country and uh, as a result became very diverse. so the discourse of multiculturalism was uh, very uh, active and, and, and very vibrant in, in the Australian context, which I also found very interesting. So that influenced my uh, academic work quite a lot after I've moved to Australia. So actually before I moved to Australia, I didn't really uh, engage with a lot of issues around migration or ethnicity, those kinds of things, even though I did do a bit of that when I was still in the Netherlands, but it really, really came into its own after I moved to Australia, really responding to uh, my experience in this new country as a new migrant, obviously, hmm. myself. So how was it for you to study migration in the Australian context as a new migrant? Well, I mean, I felt uh, very much empowered to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt my own migration history uh, was not uh, unique, really. I mean, of course, the individual path I took might be quite different. I didn't encounter that many other migrants from the Netherlands. There were quite a few people from Indonesia, but they would have very different histories than I had. So a lot of the migrants uh, in Australia, they mostly uh, arrived since the late 1940s, and they they were mostly at at first Europeans, right? Mm -hmm. At first, uh, because of the white Australia policy, the idea was uh, that uh, the country should uh, recruit uh, migrants who were white, but that uh, increasingly became less uh, possible. Uh, so uh, migrants came increasingly from Southern Europe, from Eastern Europe, uh, then from uh, the Middle East. Uh, uh, so it increasingly it became a global migration regime. and. Uh, uh, I found that very interesting. Uh, of course, uh, I, I always felt because there were so my, many migrants in Australia, and it is really an immigration country. It was it it was quite easy to talk about these things, mm. and uh, of course, there were also some issues. Uh, the issues were very much related to uh, continuing. Uh, modes of discrimination that continue to exist, um, uh, some tensions uh, with some older uh, uh, generations of Anglo-Australians who did not like the new multicultural Australia, things Mm. like that. But at the same time, I could see, despite this, that this this country had changed irrevocably because of its very proactive immigration policy. Mm. And it was not necessarily something that the government had a very controlled idea over. I think a lot of the migration uh, uh, intake was motivated by the economy Mm -hmm. and uh, to a certain extent also 
by uh, security uh, concerns, like you know, having a greater population will make the country more secure, that kind of argument. But the fact that culturally this therefore became a completely new social fabric in the society, that I think was not necessarily something that the policymakers had in mind, but it was just a consequence that was not intended. But it happened, and then uh, it had to be dealt with. And uh, it's an interesting situation because I think what has uh, turned out to be is that Australia actually, despite uh, some of the tensions between different groups and things like that, is a relatively harmonious society. So now, uh, in the last 10 to 15 years or so, I think the tendency is for politicians to brag about it a bit, you know, to mm -hmm. say we are very successful multicultural society, one of the most multicultural societies in the world, and look, we don't have all these uh, racial tensions and things like that, so we've done very well, thank mm -hmm. you very much. So that's the, the discourse. And of course, there's a lot of, you know, as you can imagine, in any country, there's uh, there is a lot of uh, debate about these issues. Mm. Coming from cultural studies, mm -hmm. um, do you think you are uh, you have a particular way or a different way to look at migration as opposed, let's say, to the to economists or demographers or sociologists, political scientists who are actually you know quite present in migration studies? Mm, that's true. Uh, well, cultural studies as a as a field really is is inherently interdisciplinary, if not transdisciplinary. And what I always find important is to not just look at the at the objective or structural factors of migration, which is more what economists look at or demographers. Uh, uh, those things are very important for analysis, but I would very much like always to combine this with more subjective understandings of the migrant experience uh, and look at the uh, representations that are produced and also consumed by everyone, whether it's the mainstream population or migrants themselves to look at how those representations of, of migrants and migration impact on uh, how a society understands itself. So I think it's, it's really making that link between the macro developments, the structural issues, the institutional context, and the more subjective and cultural uh, understandings and uh, relationships that are being mm. built. And how about how migrants understand themselves? You wrote a lot about uh, Chineseness, but also a book on not speaking Chinese. Is that um, t does that tie into your experience? Absolutely. Uh, th that is actually my own history. Is started with uh, being born into a Chinese Indonesian family, and for us as a family, when especially when we were still in Indonesia, but also when we were living in the Netherlands, we felt Chinese uh, because my parents were brought up having a Chinese identity. And of course, we uh, took that from our parents. 
but uh, we never spoke Chinese. Uh, my mother did live in Shanghai for a while in her youth, uh, so did speak Chinese uh, to a certain extent, but my father did not speak any Chinese. Uh, so the Chinese language was never a part of our uh, family culture. But uh, when I came to Australia, it became clear to me that our uh, version of Chineseness was actually not at all the mainstream Chinese culture. And part of that mainstream Chinese culture was actually speaking Chinese. And uh, I didn't speak Chinese. So my f uh, first experience with this, which directly uh, resulted in me writing my paper called On Not Speaking Chinese, and which later became a book, was when I was invited to a conference in Taiwan. That was going to be my first visit to a Chinese-speaking country. And I had this, this trepidation of not being able to speak the language and not uh, being able to answer questions when I'm being asked uh, certain things. Uh, so that's how I wrote the paper on not speaking Chinese, uh, very much related to that history of the Chinese-Indonesian uh, community and how uh, this relates to a, a history of diaspora, of Chinese migration, uh, really centuries old into Southeast Asia, which uh, is what our uh, ancestry was. But when, we, when I came to Taiwan, uh, indeed, one of the first things I realized was that people started to speak to me in Chinese and I could not answer. And the response on their side was one of surprise or uh, uh, not understanding why I don't speak Chinese. And so, so that's why that idea of not speaking Chinese became quite a powerful metaphor for a, a particular diasporic history that is not just mine, because it's, it's really a history that a lot of people share. Migration is really now the experience of millions of people around the world, but it's still so controversial and it's still so misunderstood. And it's one of those things that I think we as scholars have to deal with. And, and you know, in that sense, I do think that migration studies sometimes is not that helpful either precisely because it continues to talk about migrants and migration as uh, somehow not normal experiences. The exception. Yeah, as the exception. Mm. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I think all the work that is being done on um, different categories of migrants is important because of, uh, on the one hand, you have the very privileged uh, and I count myself in that really I was an early version of professional migration but uh, there's also the, the other category of migrant which is very much part of the European uh, experience in the last decade or so which is the refugees and, and the people who are forced to leave their place. I think uh, we are going to be uh, experiencing in the world in the next few decades where that's happening, going to happen more and more. So not just because of war-torn countries, but we can have the climate refugees that are coming up 
In that respect, I think understanding migration and, and accepting migration as, as kind of an integral part of how the world works these days, I think is important. Okay, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Ian Ang is Distinguished Professor at Western Sydney University. This interview was conducted in January 2020.